let's turn our Bibles to uh, Romans chapter 6, which is where we've been for at least the last week uh, in Romans 6, and we're going to be turning to verse 5, we did 1 through 4 last week, 5 through 11 this week, and uh, let's stand, let's read this precious text. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we've died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again, death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, what a precious passage that you've given us. And it deals with dying to sin and then resurrecting to the life of Christ. And if we're in Christ, we have that life right now. Not just in the future, but now. Thank you, Lord, that we can live in this kind of life. In a world full of sin, which we were so much a part of, but now we are in Christ. We live and celebrate every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Dennis Helton was judged to be guilty of a crime against God. And he was condemned, and he was sentenced to be crucified as a common criminal. Now, you can say, he's dead, Why? who's this standing up here? Well, you're not looking at a corpse. I'm speaking of the person, Dennis Hilton, and who he used to be before he knew Christ. You see, he was so infected with sin, that the only way to get rid of that sin was to kill that sinner. And that's exactly what God did. God killed Dennis Helton because of the sin. That means the life that I now have, I hold only through the power of the resurrected Christ. It is not my life, it is his life. And the point that I want to make is if I believe that I live only in Christ and the old sinner, the old Dennis Elton is dead, I have a new life and I am united to him. I'm united to him in every way. And that is tremendous. I died to sin. We died to sin. We live to Christ. We live out a new, joyful, abundant, resurrected life in Jesus Christ. That is our life. That's who we are. 
really defines exactly who we are. I think this is just a incomprehensible, majestic, monumental kind of thinking, isn't it? Through the Word of God. That's how we know that. Uh, the reality of intimate life and living relationship with Christ, it's union, united. You know, you've heard of United States. I almost titled this today, United States. Because we are united in Christ's death. And we are united in Christ's resurrection to United States there. And so therefore we are living with Christ now. We're united with Him in His eternal glorious likeness. We are made to be in His image. And we're becoming more and more like Christ every day. Every moment He's changing us into that kind of union. And we're identified with Him in every way in a spiritual aspect. We didn't actually die physically, but there was something that happened that changed us in the likeness of His death because of that and in the likeness of His resurrection. We are now new people. And as we know Him, we know not only Him as we look through the Scriptures, and that's what we want to know, this is eternal life, to know Him. To know Him and the power of His resurrection. To know Him. To know Him. But also, we can know who we are. You see, we're identified with Christ. That's how we define ourselves anymore. We don't define ourselves by our job or by the interest that we have in this life. Those things can be good, but we're not identified with that at all. We are identified with Christ. And that is everything. That's who we are. That's who we are. You see, there is a sad thing today. A lot of Christians don't really know who they really are. They don't know what really has happened to them. They know the basic idea, but they really don't know and reckon who they really are. To be united in Christ in every way, I think we've heard that so much that we just take it for granted and move right on. Folks, if we were to spend maybe a few hours on this, it wouldn't be enough. We could spend hours and hours and weeks and months on this thought of being united with Christ and in Christ. Anyway, we now live a joyful, abundant life and don't ever forget it because of who you are. Let's, uh, let's go to our text. That is basically the text today. That's the idea summed up. And that's what we're going to try to uh, help come out in detail now as we look at the very words of Christ here. Verse 5 says, For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. And that's really, basically, the title that we have today, if you have it on your outlines there, United in His Death, United in His Resurrection. That's really what this is all about. Can we say that? United in His Death, United in His Resurrection. And then I've got a subtitle, Living with Christ Now. Now. 
in the present time, not just in the future, but right now. You can live to your fullest. And don't be cheated. Know these things. Reckon these things. This verse 5 that we just read is, uh, it is really a synopsis, or I can say a thesis. It's the thesis of what the next few verses are going to be dealt with. See, we're really in a two-parter here today. The outline looks like three parts, but part one is the verse 5, and it just sets us up, gives us the, uh, the idea of what we're going to be talking about, because it's being identified or in union with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Death, resurrection. We were already introduced that uh, in verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. So we talked about baptism and being baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. We talked about even the water baptism, uh, although that's a great illustration of this. Paul is not talking about water baptism here at all. But when we do an illustration of it, or whenever we actually do a baptism, I, I like to use this text because it is a picture of what it is as we go down into the ground representing death. We come at a dip to the old life, the old man, dead to sin, and we come up out of that water into new life. Very simple, and yet profound, and that's what happens spiritually, and that's what Paul's talking about. So we have the thesis here, uh, and it's built right off of where we left off last week, so isn't the Word of God great as it just kind of keeps on going along? It just keeps amplifying what it's saying, and then giving us something new. And so this section 5 to 11 is, uh, it's, it's the new abundant life that we have, and it's unfolded fully here in this text today for the first time. Even though this is going to sound a lot like what we dealt with last week, and when you go through Romans, there's going to be a lot of repeats, there's going to be a lot of different pictures and different angles to look at so we can get it down. Unless you have Romans down in your head and you got it memorized and you can say it all the way through, we have to keep going through these kind of passages, it's great, isn't it? Because you can say, oh, yeah, that's what that was talking about there. And you go, oh, I never thought of it that way. So we want to gain something new out of this as we uh, study. And we studied how uh, it can be said to have died to sin. Jesus died to sin by ending the phase of his life in which he was in sin's realm. As he was here on earth... He never sinned, but he was around it all the time because this earth is infested by it. And he died to that. He rose, and then uh, he winds up going to heaven, right? In the same way, uh, generally speaking, our old relationship to sin has also ended. Just like the relationship that Christ had to sin as he was on earth, our relationship to sin as we have had it in our nature completely, uh, we see that we are taken out of that and we now are set free. God fixed our future when we were taken out of Adam and then placed into Christ. It's one or the other. You can't be in both. And so if you're a Christian, you are not an Adam and you never ever will be again, no matter how much you might do some things that are really regretful. 
If you're His, you're His, and you're always in Christ. Always. So the outline today is simple. It's two parts. So in that sense, it is simple. And as we look at it from the top, it, I think it's very simple. It's the basic Christian life. But as we look at it in the depth, we see that this is incredible, and this applies to each one of us being born again. So 6 through 10 are going to develop that thesis that's been read in verse 5. So now we have two more parts to go, which is really there's only two parts. Number one is in 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Those two verses are talking about death, the death of Christ, and because of what has been done to us, we died with him. And then the rest of that section that we'll have today will be with that new life, the resurrection life. Six and seven are not repeating themselves. This is the point that Paul starts to talk about, and it's the Christian life. And especially the fact, judicially and positionally, sin is dead to us. It is gone. So you must think of that first. It's dead. It's dead. No matter what you're thinking, it's dead. And so Paul mentions our union with Christ. Our union with Christ, who was sinless, perfect. Our union with Christ in what? In the death. That's verse 6 and 7. He died, so we died. Dennis Helton had to die. I was guilty. And this person, so infected by sin, had to be, it had to be that the sin had to be removed. That's what God had planned, and so he killed Dennis Helton. Christ was killed at the cross. Uh, Paul mentions this union, and it's to show that we have been freed from the, and get this, the tyranny of sin. We've already pointed out that we are no longer in Adam, we are no longer in sin. We're no longer in sin, right? What's in sin? What's well, being an Adam? That's in sin. And you cannot continue, you cannot get out of there until God moves you into Christ. So we've been freed from that tyranny of sin, and we're going to get to that because there's one thing about crucified. There's another thing about tyranny that it has. Okay, so in verse 6, knowing, and I want to point out right this, we're on number 1 of where A is at. We're dealing with body of sin, if you have your outlines there. So as you follow along, uh, the body of sin, and then we're going to break that down in verse 6. Dealing with the old self. What is the old self? Well, that's pretty easy because I started off with uh, talking about Dennis Helton. 
the old Dennis Hilton. And uh, I'm glad you guys didn't really know me back then, before that. Um, this is a key word here that starts off with this, knowing this. And in our text today, I want you to notice, and as I read it, you might have noticed something as I was reading along. There is uh, verse 6, knowing this. And then if you look at verse 9, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, and then verse 11, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to Christ. Did you notice that? Knowing. No. Reckon. Consider. Or what, what. That means know this. Everybody's looking for the secret of the Christian life. It's right here. It's right here. You need to know this. And it's sad that most Christians in our time do not know how the Christian life ought to be lived. Now they may go to seminars and all sorts of different uh, kinds of uh, sessions where and conferences and get all the CDs and audios that they can get and videos and DVDs because they're trying to live the Christian life. And you don't have to go to those places. Those places can help if they're preaching the Word of God. But here's what it is. You ought to know this. Whenever Paul is saying this, knowing this, um, it's just like in verse 3 as he's writing to the Romans, or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ? Do you not know? It's like he's saying to the Romans, I know you know. You know, right? And I think in the early church they knew that a lot better than we do today. Uh, the Christian ought to be living the Christian life based on this common knowledge of what Christianity is. This is basic to understanding your redemption. And he starts off with this, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. And that sounds familiar to what we were talking about last week. When were you crucified? Are you being crucified daily? You hear a lot of people preaching about, you need to crucify yourself every day. The Bible never says that. But what it says is right here in Romans is that you were crucified. It already happened. The tense of it is like in the aorist, and it has happened, it's done. That's over with. That has been done. Was crucified. The old self. The old life has died, it's gone, it's been crucified. And crucified is something that Christ had happened to him. Uh, crucifying the old self, like we say, is not the secret to Christian life. What is this? It's the old man. The old self. How many times have we heard about the old man? What you once were. Or I'm even going to get into the old nature. I believe that the old man, the old nature, the old self is the same person. It's the old you. The old nature is gone. What's your nature before you know Christ? It's always in sin. But your nature has been changed. Do you have two natures going on and they're struggling? 
Well, we know we have a flesh and a spirit, and we'll be getting into that in the next uh, few, several weeks, especially when we get into chapter 7, chapter 8. And But to get to this old man, it's kind of interesting. How about crucifying ourselves? That happened. Go to Galatians 2.20, and I think this is a theme verse that definitely goes along with what we're talking about today. This ought to be a memory verse for every one of us. Galatians 2.20. Memorize this. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, no longer I live. This old Steve Green song. We used to sing that back in the very early days when all the guys that were like 40 years old, you know, and plus, <laughs> they were all, and the girls, you know, they, they were all like, you know, they weren't even teenagers yet. They were like five, six, seven, eight, ten, right? And we sing that song uh, in our Bible study all the time, you know. I've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Great verse, isn't it? Great song. Uh, that's a good one to remember if you say, wow, I, I like that. Because that really sums it all up. Uh, you'll notice, uh, and I'll come back in a moment maybe to describe some of that. But go to Colossians 3. 9 and 10. These are all verses to support what I'm talking about. The old man, the old self, the old nature uh, has already been crucified. 520, uh, did, I, you know, did I say uh, Colossians? Uh, if we can go back to Galatians 5, 24, and then we'll come to Colossians. Is that okay? So you can hold your thumb there. Now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have crucified. It's done. It's not saying we keep on doing it. No, it says it's been crucified. Now go to your Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self. What tense is that? Past tense. It already has been done. You laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self. You have already put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Go to Ephesians 4. 20 through 24. These are verses to support our Romans passage. Verse 20, but if you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside of the old self. You lay aside. Now there it looks like a, a present tense. 
which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. There it looks like a present tense. And we can apply all of these to that. Keep putting on the new clothes, right? You've taken off the old clothes. Do this and don't do that. Those those kind of things. So it's, you know, living that kind of life, you know, dying to sin in that sense, in a present tense. But there are scholars who will say this is being applied to the present tense and or past tense. The old self. You, you, you've laid it aside. You've already done that, and you've already been renewed, and you've already put on the new self. Well, it seems to contradict the other ones, but I don't think so. John Murray um, calls it an infinitive of result, and there are not uh, anybody, uh, others, that would disagree with him in a lot of senses. It, so he uh, would say it's this way. So that ye have put off, according to the former manner of life, the old man. So it's not a command as so much as it is a statement of fact. A lot of those other ones we have no doubt about. It. They're statements of fact. This is what happened to you. Bishop Hanley Mool, many years ago, wrote this. You were taught in Christ with regard to the fact that your old man was laid aside. Past tense. Martin Lloyd-Jones translates it like this. Do not go on living as if you were still that old man, because the old man has died. Do not go on living as if he was still there. That's the point. Don't go on living as if the old man is still here. Because he's not. Anybody who dies physically, they put them in a grave and they're not with you anymore, are they? They have died, they've been buried, and you cannot contact them right now as long as you're in this world. They are out of reach. And that is the way the old man is. What is the old man? It's the corrupt self. It's the unregenerate self. It's the unregenerate nature. There we go. The nature is crucified. The old man, the old nature, the old self. They're all the same thing. And that was described for us in chapter 5 by the old Adam. And of course, the new Adam, Christ. But that we were the in Adam kind of man. That's what we were. So it's not a new man fighting the old man in your daily life where you are fighting sin. And you do the things that you hate. You break the law and you know you broke the law and you feel terrible about it. You're guilty. And you don't want to do it anymore. That's our Romans 7. By the way, uh, Romans 6 coming up, probably even starting next week. We'll get in a lot of that practical aspect, but <clears throat> until we get our position first, we can't move on to that. There is not an old man fighting. And you will hear that somewhere along the line. Somebody will say, oh, I've got the old man that I'm dealing with. 
Oh yeah? How did, how did he resurrect? You have two new men in you now? A new man, an old man, you have two men? It can't happen. Do you guys catch that? There's no hassling between the old nature and the new nature. You have put off the old man. Remember those scriptures we just read? They kept saying, past tense, put off, crucified, put in so many different ways. The old man was corrupt according to deceitful lust, a former manner of life. The new one is created in righteousness. Uh, let's stay on that word, old man. Let's go back to old. What is old? Well, in the English, we have a word for old. In the Greek, there are different words for old. Uh, when we say old, it can mean a lot of things. So what do you mean by old? You know, I have an old car. I have a, um, I'm old. And you are right. And leave it right there. Don't go up any higher. Now let's go to the part that says the body of sin. 
Now this is where we're going to delineate the difference between our old selves and the body of sin. Because there's something that we still battle with even though we're dead to sin, the old man is dead. What's going on then? And I think Paul makes that very clear. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with it. Is that important to know? Would you say that Christians really need to know this? This is how you live the Christian life. It starts with the mind. Know this. That's why we study God's Word. We renew our minds daily. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our, here's our next one, body of sin might be done away with. Now that, this is tough stuff, folks. Hang with me. It is tough. It's been real tough for me as I look at this, and I've heard this for many, many years, but just to try to get this into the brain, to be able to describe it is, is difficult. Now, this is a body of sin. And I'm going to say that this still exists. That it has not died. The body of sin. Well, what is it? Well, let's go to Romans 8. We're dealing with uh, Romans 8. And this passage is talking about a mortal body. It's a physical body. Let's go to Romans 8.13. Paul gets deep, doesn't he? For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die, but if by the Spirit you are putting to death, catch that, the deeds of the body, you will live. A Christian will want to kill sin. The sin that he still continues to do. You say, I thought sin was not, yeah, it is, in, the, in that positional sense. But the ongoing here is dealing with the body, uh, the flesh. The flesh wars against the spirit in Galatians 5. There's our war. The flesh does what it wants to do, unless it's controlled. And that's where the Christian now has ways to combat it and be able to have victory there. Uh, if you live after the flesh, you're going to die. What's, what's it saying there? If you live in, in a sinful life, and it's always there, sin, sin, sin everywhere, and you don't even feel guilty about it, you don't feel convicted by it, he says, you're going to die. You're not, real, you're not a Christian. If you're co- living according to the flesh, if you're living that way, then you're still the old man. You must die, right? And we, we know what that is. We just talked about it for a long time. Uh, but... If by the Spirit, if you are living by the Spirit, Spirit of God, you're a believer, you're putting to death the deeds of the body. Now, there's where we put to death the deeds of the flesh. Do you see the difference between the present tense now and what we were talking about? And that's what I believe that he is putting forth here in our Romans 6. Go a little bit further. Let's look at some scripture on this. Romans 8.23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, here we go, the redemption of our body, the redeeming 
of our body. What's happening here? It's not only just the physical body, but it's all of man's remaining fallenness. The remaining fallenness is still here, isn't it? One day to be redeemed totally where we have a new, glorious body. But right now we have a the fallenness, the humanness is always there. The body of sin. Um, boy, this almost sounds confusing. What this is saying is that we have a problem with sin. We're dead to sin. You get that, right? We spent the last two weeks, week and a half. I spent a, a half a week already on this, right? <laughs> but we now have a problem with sin. The body is connected with sin. Paul, in his thinking here, is saying, at one time it had an absolute domination over you, your old man, your old nature, your sinful nature. It dominated it. It possessed you, really. Sin did, and that's how you lived. And, you see, we manifest our sin through the physical bodies. And it starts with our thinking. What we think, we can act on, can't we? And if we think that way, then we're letting that rule us. Uh, The thing is, we manifest all of this because we need to realize and know this, that we need to control that part because of the Spirit of God that's in us that can control that sin that wants to do what it wants to do. You see, it has a hunger. It loves to go after food in a way that is unnatural. You like that, and uh, you know I'm, I'm looking at that because I tend to like that really snack. I have a trouble. I have trouble with this. It's called gluttony. Sometimes to overeat shouldn't have done that. Right? That's just one of many. There's many things that we that God has created for us that's good, but we abuse it. And you can think of a thousand things. You can go on and on and on. My point is not that. It's just to say that our body just wants anything and everything. If it could have its way in doing whatever it wants, it would do it. And you see a lot of people like the Gnostics love that idea because they say, yeah, the body's sinful, so it can do whatever it wants to do, and I can still be a Christian and I'll go to heaven. Because, you see, I don't have control over this body. That's Gnosticism. What a philosophy. And it does not sound good to me at all, because that's not natural for a Christian to even think that way. Uh, But this is a body of sin, and we want to control this sin, don't we? We don't want to be dominated by it, to be possessed by it. But this body represents a, a mass of sin. It is everywhere in us. Physical body, in the members. The old man is crucified, is crucified, but the body of sin is still here. We are incarcerated in the flesh. Oh, how great it 
would be to take it, be taken out of this flesh. Well, that means you have to die physically. Oh, well, well, wait a minute. <laughs> but that's what we look forward to, ultimately, to go be with the Lord with a body that does not have the possibility of sin. There's a dominion of sin over humanness. Romans 7.23, Paul looks at his body and he says, I see a law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, the law of sin. Sin which is in my members. And all through Romans 7, he's going to be talking about members. He's talking about the members that's in the body. He's saying the same thing in Romans 7 as he is here, as he's talking about the body of sin. In Paul's terminology, back in verse 18, uh, that uh, in 7, I know that in me, that's in my flesh, dwells no good thing. It, it's simple body. In both of those cases, I think he's looking at our humanness. Our fallenness in that sense, even though the, the nature spiritually is done, but this body, this flesh, it's a bridgehead where everything comes up there. Attacks, tempts, whatever it is, it's a war that every one of us know that goes on daily. And... It's something that we need to overcome. We've got all the possibilities to do that. This body is a vehicle. It's a vehicle where sin just manifests itself. Whether we're talking, and we know what the tongue can do, don't we? And the tongue comes from what we're thinking. And all those actions that we do, we know that that too, whether one becomes real mad and they start kicking things and throwing things, they're using their body. If you just don't even use a body in a way like this, you're speaking things that you shouldn't be saying. And so goes that war. Paul knew that he had a war going in him. That's why in chapter 7, he says, Well, if, if sin is gone, then why do I have this battle going on still yet? Don't you wish that it would have ended and never would you sin again? That's where we really want to be at. Theoretically, and I was listening to R.C. Sproul last night on this sermon in the same text we're in. That was pretty good when he said it, because I said it last week, and probably the week before, and I've said it before. You know, you can, you actually at a point, that you can sin or you have the ability now to not sin. Theoretically, it's possible that you can never sin again. Although we know that that does not happen to anybody. No matter how much they tell you, and they're Nazarenes, and they'll tell you they reach perfection. So the Nazarenes believe in their... Wesleyanism, Wesleyan Methodist, they stayed true to what actually, I believe, Wesley was dealing with. I don't even know if Wesley could ever really say that he was perfect. How can anybody say that? But I've heard it. It uh, really is very annoying because I've read too much of Scripture knowing that they're not perfect. And what they just did is they were bragging. 
But what God has set us with, that's how new of a person we are. We've already blown it thousands and millions of times already, haven't we? It's a shame. But you see, this is a beachhead. It's a bridgehead. It's uh, reminds us, though, of the unregenerate person. It is humanist who is totally controlled by sin. That's his nature. That's all he does. That's all he can do. That's his nature. He say, well, they do good things. Well, yeah. Do they really do good things? Well, yeah, they help the poor and give the... to God. What are those works? Absolutely filthy rags, Isaiah says. That's what he says. Okay, now, we've got this body of sin. And this is tough stuff. The body of sin might be done away with. We're back to Romans 6. Is it, is it kind of hard so far? Or is it, is it forming up? Is it, is it helping? Or have I totally confused you? We're, we're there, right? Are we going along? We'll see. This might help as we go to this next word because you can say, the body of sin might be done away with. Ooh. And this is why some would say, well, this the, the old nature. That's why this is the only, because it's done away with. What do we do with this? What do we do? Done away, cardageo, means uh, to be powerless. It means to be inoperative. It means the tyranny of sin is now broken. The body of sin might be powerless, inoperative. And some of you, with the King James, might have the word destroy. It's probably not the best word to use there. Uh, and just, it's a bad selection in terms of what the, the meaning of that Greek word is, which is of none effect. Uh, powerless, inoperative. The, that the body of sin might be of no effect. You see, that's probably specific right there. The body of sin loses its dominance. The power of sin has been broken. It's still there. You ever seen things that are broken? But you still go on and work with it. I think we've got a little thing on our uh, window in our car. Somehow... You know, it's, it's a plastic piece, and it slides every time you get out of the door, and it comes off its place. Well, it doesn't keep us from driving the car. You can go like that and put it in. It's broken, though. And if we don't get to do something, somewhere down the, the road we'll start getting water in, in the car, and, and so that kind of has to be taken care of. But you can still use the window. It's fine. I can look out the window, and the glass is up or it's down, and it's doing just fine. It looks okay if you slide it back into place, and then it slides back out. Uh, but it's broken. You see, it uh, it doesn't have the same effect that it did. And if it keeps breaking, uh, it will not have any effect, or a little effect, or too much effect on this, right? So let us never forget that our old selves died with him on the cross that the 
body of sin, or let me put it like this, the tyranny of sin be broken. Position, practically, it's broken. It is of powerless. It's almost inoperative if we're living the Christian life in the way that we should, as we're thinking about and knowing about who we are in Christ. Um, it doesn't have tyranny. The body of sin. Does that make sense now? Uh, you know what a tyrant is, right? We were under a tyrant at one time. Satan barked his orders or come up there with the most subtle temptations and made it sound so good. And we were in that field at one time. But you see, there's a road that separates that field and all. there's a field on the other side. And we have been delivered from the Adam field to Christ's field. Satan can bark all he wants at us. Hey, do this. Look how good this is. And we can just flat out ignore it, not listen, just keep on what you know, who you are, and where you are at. And because we don't have a tyrant anymore. Even though the voice is being heard, it's powerless, it's broken, inoperative. And this is where we go back, and I said it a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago, the uh, Augustine theology on this. When Adam and Eve were created, they were given really a choice, a free human choice. Adam could sin, the temptations put for it, or he had the ability to not sin. So he chose to sin. And that's where everybody is at in Adam. And until you come to Christ, every human being that is not a Christian, never uh, has been a Christian, never will be a Christian, whatever, they, uh, if they're living now, they have no ability to not sin. Now, Adam had the ability to sin, or he had the ability to not sin. Whenever you're in Adam, now you have one thing, and then your nature is this. Your nature is now a bound will because you can you can only choose to what you are according to. You are in that kind of nature, and that would be non-passe, non-picari, no ability not to sin. Have you thought about that? Does that make sense? That means... You're going to keep on sinning. That's the way it is. You don't even have a choice to stop sinning. That's your nature. That's what you are. But whenever Christ comes along, we believe, we trust in Him, the very ones He's chosen, and it comes to that point in time where you now become believers in Christ. We repent. We believe. We now have the ability to sin, and we have the ability to not sin. Passe Bacari, the ability to sin. Non-passe Bacari, 
Now that would be good, wouldn't it? No ability to sin. Do we have that? No. That's in heaven. That's in the kingdom. That's glory, right? That's what we really look to. But we do have the ability to not sin. That's the difference between us and a believer. That's because of what Christ has done. Huh? A non-believer. Oh, okay. Thank you. Glad you clarified that. That would have made it even weirder, wouldn't it? <laughs> we who died are freed from sin, and that's the whole point that he's making here. We're freed from sin's tyranny. It doesn't mean that we're freed from sin's presence, but from the tyranny. We're going to have to struggle with this. This flesh is here. Uh, Galatians 5. Spirit and the flesh go on and on. You see, we die with Christ. Sin is no longer reigning or ruling over us. And so now we go to our third part. And this is 8 through 11. We just dealt with dying in Christ, dead to sin, death, right? So now here we go with the second part, which is life. It's united with Christ in life. Verse 8, now if we have died with Christ, we believe, and what shall we also live with him? See that, live. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So there we go. We tie it up there. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. He paid the penalty. Christ had to die. He took on the guilt of sin. He died to the guilt of sin. Our penalty was paid. No longer is it ever held over us. The debt has been paid. Uh, it's all paid for. And then it says, it, 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 in verse 9, knowing, knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead. You know, we have Resurrection Day coming up before too long. In a few weeks, special day celebrates the resurrection. Of course, we do that every Sunday. But that's a special day, and we, we rejoice in that, don't we? How do we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again? Death no longer a master. How do we know this? Right? How do we know this? Well, we know because he was raised from the dead. It's the resurrection. That's a proof of Christianity. Probably more than anything else is the resurrection of Christ. It all hinges on that. And that's what the early church preached. The apostles started with it, and they talked about the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel. And so they gave it everywhere they went. He rose from the dead. Boy, how that offended a lot of people. Um, the thing is, is, if that be the case, and we know that he rose, we have victory. We have victory in everything. Do we have victory over sin? Yeah, because it's dead. And we know because Christ came back to life and he ascended to the heavens that he proved that he defeated it. And that we died with him. Look in Philippians 3.10. Philippians 3.10. 
says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. He's talking about right now, in the present tense, that I know the power of his resurrection and the sufferings. Sufferings are only in this life, not in the next life. That resurrection life starts right here, the resurrection, because we have been resurrected, right? Being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And that's pointing ultimately to the resurrection to a new body. We have the resurrection life right now. We know this. We know the reason you're a Christian is that you know you believe in the resurrection. That is abundant, joyous life. Are you having a joyous, abundant life? Why not? Because we let all the things consume us. That's why we're here this week to remind us. You know these things because Paul says you know this. Knowing this, how do you defeat sin? How do you, how do you defeat worry? All the consequences that come with that old kind of life. We're coming to the secret. Right here. Right here. He says in verse 11, you know, if, you know Christ arose. He lives. He died to sin. To sin. He took, as He took on our sin. He lives to God. He lives to God. He lives. He is the God of the living so he says this, and we're getting ready to wrap it up, folks. Even so, it's almost like, okay, I put all this together. What's the secret to living the Christian life? I want to defeat sin. I want to live a life that will give glory to God. Ready? Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. He's already said that how many times? A thousand and five times already. Probably you're going to count that. We have to go back on the tape and see if that, we don't use tapes. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. You know what? Reckon yourselves. He's been saying knowing this. Knowing. Know, know this. Think about it. Think hard on it. Think hard on it till you even come up with some thoughts that I'm not even talking about today. You know, it'll be overwhelming. And you apply your own personal testimony to this and say, wow, that's really what happened. When he brought me to Christ, and I'm alive to God, I'm dead to sin. And you see, he says consider. What does consider mean? It means to think upon. Consider. To reckon. What's reckon? Uh, I think a banking term, or how about, is it luck in someone? To think, to dwell upon, to consider. Make it a thought. Consider this, folks. Meditate on this. You're dead to sin. Forever. 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 A Christian, Dr. Needham, summed it all up in an interesting book called birthright. Birthright with a Christian. A Christian is not simply a person who gets forgiveness. I like that. You like forgiveness? Or who even gets to go to heaven. You say, well, what's better? Who gets the Holy Spirit? Who gets a new nature? Right? All those. You keep on going on and on. And he says, mark this. 
Christian is a person who has become someone he was not before. You're not the same person. Dwell on that for a moment. That's incredible. You mean, if I have become a believer, I'm not like that other person. No, you're not. You are a total new person in this same body. Wow. Does that make you kind of go, that's, that's beyond my thinking here. It's in terms of our, what does he say, I, deepest identity is that you are a saint, a born child of God, a divine masterpiece, a child of light, a citizen of heaven. We can go on and on and on. That's who you are. So I'm not satisfied with myself. Well, in a sense, that's good. That's good because we've got a lot further to go. But there's another sense of be content with exactly where you're at right now because you're a child of the King and He's doing the very best for you. Now, He goes on to say this, not only positionally, which is true in the mind of God, we're dead to sin, right? But it's true in actuality right here on earth. It's not some pie in the sky kind of thing, or just like, okay, God sees it that way, but I cannot see it that way. Well, take it as that. It's not only judicially, declaring you righteous is judicial, it's what God did, or it's uh, some kind of moral bookkeeping, right? But actually, that's what you are. You're you're becoming a Christian, not just getting something, no matter how wonderful that something is. It's becoming someone. Someone who is placed into Christ. It's no longer I who lives. It is now about Christ who lives in me. This life is not about me. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's a Quite a note, isn't it? It's not. Some people think that life is all about them, and they, you know, they go on the Twitters and talk about themselves, or the Facebooks, or Instagrams, or the TikTok. Boy, that is all about self. There, you know, you got people dancing, you know, or you know, they'll be singing or doing something or saying some something that you go. <laughs> and it's all about them. They're trying to show how, look at me, look at me, look how great I am. It's not that at all. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you don't ever have to worry about how great you are or what a struggle that you have in this present life, even though we have to deal with those things. Think about who you are in Christ. So how can we triumph over sin? Do you, do you see it? By knowing what God has done for us. You said that's it? That's what I waited here for an hour? That's the secret? Well, God doesn't have secrets. He puts it all out for all to see. I haven't given you anything new at all here, have I? Proverbs 
probably so many fresh new thoughts or something, but have you been reminded more than anything? You want to defeat sin? Here's what God did. Look where you came from. Look who you are now. And you're as rich as you can possibly ever be being in Christ. By knowing what God has done for us when He joined us to Christ, He says, know this and reckon it. Let's pray.